Lobsters. Mac and cheese. We'll just have to talk loud. Yo, yo, yo. We are back. Spitballing with Colin, episode four. The first male guest, non-female guest. Special one. Someone close to me. Probably the closest male to me in the in the world. Definitely at this moment, we're sharing a couch. But this person has uh, pushed themselves to their limits and grown immensely. And being my brother, it's been pretty special to watch what he's been able to do uh, on a baseball field and off a baseball field. So welcome, Matthew. Howdy. Howdy. Very excited for it. Very excited for it. All right. So... Past episodes have been starting off with childhood. We kind of shared a childhood, so maybe you can you can do a, a quick overview of um, the childhood from your perspective, and then um, go from there. Um. So from my perspective, I guess um, growing up, I guess I didn't. I had a good. I had a good childhood. I would say. Um, aside from us pretty much fighting every day, you you may be sitting on me once or twice a week. Um, Indoor football yeah. got intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was good though. Um, n- nothing comes to the top of my head besides a good childhood. <laughs> a good childhood. So <laughs> you grew up. You played sports. You played baseball. You stuck your foot in the, the the pool water that is football, but didn't really like it. Yeah, fuck that. Uh, that? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know. I, like, we're brothers, but not, we're not different personality-wise. I guess we're a little different. But in terms of, like, stature and size, like, I'm definitely thick, and you're definitely not as thick. Yeah, like, definitely. Definitely was an issue growing up. Like, yeah. I have, like I've been over 200 pounds since – probably like sixth grade and yeah and i'm at my heaviest ever in my life and i'm still under 200 pounds so and and also like getting to high school like you were always out with friends like social knew how to interact like just a great social guy cracking jokes like good entertainment i'm more like i don't think introverted the right word but i'm more just contained unless i'm around a comfortable group so like Sitting at a, sitting at the house, like when you're out with your friends, it was definitely like, damn, I gotta figure out how to get some friends. Like, yeah, for sure, we definitely. I mean, I feel like in high school, especially, you were definitely around my friends a lot. Yeah, and we had we shared friend friend groups, yeah. especially like golf and stuff, sports. Shout out the golf team of 2014, Whitman Hanson. 2014. That's the right. Yeah, that's the right. Yeah. I don't think I played golf that year. No, 2014. Yeah, 2014 was a great year. Yeah. I got in one match, if that's my sophomore year. <laughs> but it was, you were a part of the most winning team on the in history. So. That's correct. I was. All right. So co- uh, college, not there yet. High school. What's it like to, um, perhaps you're undersized, but in terms of baseball, what's it like to hear the news that you're, that you're staying on JV for your junior season. Did that hurt at all? Or did, was that just like, all right, it is what it is. I'm just going to go out and play my game. Um, I don't think 
that it really registered until I was actually playing. Like hearing that I was on JV, I was like, uh, okay. I liked the coach, and it was a new coach my junior year. He kept all of the seniors, which probably wasn't the best for the team, but they made playoffs and didn't win the league, but were high seed, got first rounded. Um, but I do think me along with another kid on JV definitely didn't deserve to be on JV. Um, and I don't know. I, it was interesting, I guess, just because I had three varsity coaches and throughout high school and only one of them stayed for two years, obviously. And that was my junior, senior year. Um, and after my senior year, he did tell me at the, whatever it's called, the banquet. Yeah. The banquet. He did say, um, I wish I recognized this sooner and brought you up sooner, which I mean, made me feel good that he finally recognized it, but you know, no more high school baseball for me after that. So doesn't really matter. No, pretty irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting three years. I feel like your junior year, you're on JV, you pitch really well on JV. And then your senior year, you pitch a little bit and you end up like playing for being back up first base and <laughs> hitting like, just like, just... yeah, I was, I was always the, probably the worst hitter on the team growing up. And I was in the four hole playing first as a, I don't know, six, two, one, sixty kid. Never played infield on a big diamond. Uh, always outfielder pitcher, but we made it work, I guess. <laughs> and then you take your talents to. Well, let's. I want you to describe your first year of college. What it was like transitioning because i think for everybody it's difficult but i think for everybody it's also different um so my first year of college i definitely was shell-shocked when i went to unh um didn't really find any friends had one friend from the same hometown hung out with him pretty much every day it was good got along didn't mind my roommates um was kind of friends with him and his buddies, but not didn't really hang out with them too much. But um, came home every weekend because I hated school. Um, but I think that transferring was the best decision I've ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was tough for me being at school, playing sports my whole life, and then. I tried out for the club baseball team at UNH, got cut. Um, and you weren't really sure why, right? No, uh, no. They picked club teams rigged. Simply <laughs> <laughs> put, um, the captains pick the team, so it's who the captains like, which is fine. But I don't know. It's kind of like a. Not a, not a fair assessment, I'd say, in my perspective, but it is what it is. Yeah. It's almost like a repeat pattern of getting overlooked like your junior year. Like you got overlooked by a new coach, new, yeah. new kids. Definitely. Definitely was probably, I don't, I don't want to say this, but 
definitely was probably the best pitcher that was there trying out that wasn't on the team. So, so you're overlooked college first semester. Like you have fun. You're playing basketball. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely. Your, your pickup basketball. Like we went to a fun concert up there, but kind of far from home. Just not a lot of people. And not your type of people. Um, like yeah, not, 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 your, not your vibe of people. No. A lot, of, a lot of different characters up there. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, like non Nothing against it. Great, maybe, great school. Beautiful campus. But just not the right crowd. Or I never found the right crowd. Yeah. Not saying that there isn't. But, yeah, I found myself at the gym, the rec almost every day playing pickup basketball until I could <laughs> yeah. going to dinner and then going to my room. That was just a, on repeat. Like the Squidward meme on SpongeBob. Yeah. So you ultimately transfer back home. You come join me at Bridgewater state. Yeah. What factored into that decision? If anything, you're just like, this is just, this is just what's going to happen or. Um, definitely want it to be closer to home. Definitely wanted to play a sport to keep me busy or do anything to keep me busy, honestly. But all I've known my whole life is sport. So definitely came into factor where you were on the team. I didn't – it was weird. It was coaches last year, and he didn't really care who was on the team. Yeah. kind of was just like, oh, this kid wants to play. All right, cool. Hop on. Never saw him at practice, but whatever. I don't even think he knows my name. I don't know if he knows that I played on the team. He definitely knows your name. He sent a donation in last year. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you transfer, and arguably it's a big difference because you start, you kind of find your crowd. You find your friends who you're friends with now, your closest friends you've lived in college with, which we can talk about. And then you also kind of demand more from yourself, at least from an outside perspective. Because uh, as yeah. a kid, we would be playing basketball or football and be like, why are you going to try hard? Why are you going to try hard? Why are you trying so hard? Yeah, definitely. I would definitely say that. I think, I don't know, that might have came from just experiencing UNH on my own. Like, no one there for me. I had to fend for myself pretty much go out of my own like comfort zone Mm -hmm. um definitely realize i need to fucking figure it out like it's not like everybody should go through but it's almost like people who go through like a a tough time like that like there's some something you said about awareness like yeah for sure definitely definitely when you have nothing or it feels like you have nothing and Definitely brings out the best in you. Definitely allows you for your most growth from my perspective. Two questions. Kind of spicy, but not really. But so how do you think people like that haven't experienced some sort of adversity like that or uh, almost like a life-changing event in perspective-wise, is there a way – you convince people to see that or do you think people just have to experience that on their own? Um, I mean, not saying that that was like the worst, it might've been the worst time of my life because I was super depressed every day. 
didn't want to even go to classes. Um, but I th- don't think that you can really replicate that outside of being in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you have to learn as much as you want to say, like if you've never been in a situation like that, as much as you want to say, you can like replicate that. You can't, you literally can't. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's a big question that like I find is like, how do you, you want to help people become their best versions, but it's almost like they can't become their best versions unless they have some sort of tough adversity and figure it out themselves. Yeah, definitely. Do you think, and we're just spitballing here, but do you think it takes a certain type of person to work through that? Or do you think there's certain like checkpoints, like, oh, I have to think this way? Or do you think it's just like you get to a point and it's like, all right, you're either, you're this, like, you're either dead pretty much or you're going to live, like, see what your life could be? Um, I reword that. So like you're falling, essentially you're falling off a cliff, I guess, emotionally. Like yeah. you're, your whole childhood, you fly through the motions of everything because like for us, like we were handed a lot of things we wanted. We, we lived very comfortably. Like we live in a very like simple town. Like, we were never challenged growing up like really emotionally. So then we get to a place freshman year of college where we feel like we don't fit in, where we feel like we have to start doing self-evaluation, where we feel like we don't understand like how life is working, I guess. And then you get to a point where it's like, okay, I can steep, I can keep falling down this cliff and I'm, I might run into a tree or like worse. Or it's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig my heels in the ground. I'm gonna stop, and now I'm gonna start, you know, walking up this hill. I don't know where it's gonna lead me. I don't know what path I'm gonna take, but I'm gonna start like putting feet forward and figuring this shit out. Um, yeah, definitely. Don't think. Uh <laughs> like okay, more simple. Do you think it's like a mindset? Like okay, I'm digging myself out. Like. I'm trudging through this or do you think it's like like do you think there's certain things that have to be like okay I want to like is it an internal need like yeah. I hate this feeling I want to like I need to escape this feeling of shit. no I think that it takes a certain person to be able to tell themselves that like you need to do this like for the better health of who you're gonna be mm-hmm. I don't like the thought process of I want to do this or like in the worst case scenario like I want to kill myself like you have to dig deep and make it through like even if it's literally checkpoints like I had checkpoints at UNH not that I was ever even close to doing what I just said yeah but I had checkpoints get up go to class I probably didn't really and want to not the a lot of college kids do want to go to class, but get up, go to class. All right, now what? Go eat lunch. All right, now what? See if you have any homework to do. If you don't, sweet. If you do, get to it. Mm-hmm. Do your homework. And then you can enjoy whatever. I literally never went to the gym until I went to UNH. 
that's just saying something about where I was in my life. I didn't ever care to go to the gym. Started going to the gym there. Definitely changed my life. Um, then playing basketball every day is like something that I enjoyed. That's like the only thing that I enjoyed at in at that point in my life. Like mm-hmm. had a lot of support. I think from family realizing what I was going through. But I don't know if anyone ever knew like the extent of like how uncomfortable I felt there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so hard to convey that too though. Yeah, definitely. I think that the only like real person that knew what I was exactly I was going through was probably my girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, it's, which is good. Like you, at least someone knows like to, for some people, I think they probably don't share it. Yeah. Definitely. And it eats at them even more. Yeah. But like, so, so you were like, okay, I get to this point and it's like, I need to do, I need to check these things off. And then while I'm checking these things off, I can start self-evaluating and I can start moving forward. It's like, these are my bare necessities. Yeah. I do think that, I mean, it was not a, I don't know. Pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't enjoyable, but I got to (laughs) realize that I need to do things on my own to find my own happiness, I guess. And take my mind off of whatever your mind's on. And for me, that was literally going to play pickup for hours on end. Mm-hmm. And I had nothing else to do. It's a pretty good outlet for, uh, I guess, like stress. People can use a lot of other things. Could have definitely gone a lot worse there, mm-hmm. I would say. So we get out of this this um, eventful time. And we get into Bridgewater. We make the baseball team. After, uh, did we you were, even like we try were, out? Did we you just like allowed, show up to practice? We were allowed like, on the baseball team. Yeah. Like, did you? You just kind of showed up. And you're like, oh, I'm Colin's brother. I'm on the team now, pretty much. Yeah. He never really told me that I made the team. I kind of asked, and they were like, Yeah, sure. I didn't. There wasn't a like, congrats, you made the team email. It was just like, yeah, like, hey, what what jersey number do you want? <laughs> <laughs> But hey, college baseball player. So you make the team. How many innings do you throw freshman year? Ten. Ten. It's pretty good. Yeah, better than some of the kids that made it in the fall. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of – for a freshman, that's pretty good. Obviously, you have some elite freshmen throw a lot, but that's pretty good for a freshman relief pitcher. Yeah. I was content with the amount of innings I saw, I guess. Not much, but wasn't upset. Knew my role. Mm Mm-hmm. And then maybe outside of baseball, you get stuck in a room with two random kids, I guess. And then you got to yeah, um, find – how do you how do you find your friends? Because your friends now, also kids on the team, so maybe that helps too. But Definitely helps. Uh, the um, friends now are a lot more like you, I guess. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I don't know if I really had any friends at Bridgewater besides literally you and your roommates. <laughs> <laughs> um like Trevor definitely definitely there but I even sometimes he went off on his own which is fine he had his own group of friends but I'd say the team allowed me to 
feel like I belong to something. That's a pretty much. Yeah, I mean the team aspect of sports is huge. I mean, yeah, it's like you know you have friends there even if like you don't know them that well. But, like, yeah, it was definitely awkward. Like joining in, like you guys already had a whole fall together, and it was like. I am a freshman, but it's also like I didn't know what to expect. I didn't go through the whole fall with anybody on your team. Yeah. I only knew you and your roommates that I met maybe once before that. Yeah. So. So, but you I mean like your prior experience at UNH, like you, you're better equipped to handle that situation. Now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, take me through like the next couple years, like. How does your motivation for working out, getting better and stronger grow? Like, are there influences or is it just like a pure, like, I want to get better so I can play more and I can perform better? Like, is it all internal? Was it, um, where do you find that drive? Because your performances have been obviously not what you want, but like, you just hold yourself to such a high standard. Um, I would say definitely at first external, like you were always at the gym then girlfriend started going to the gym and I was like, yeah, I definitely should definitely do that. Um, definitely a stick. Like, I don't even know what I weighed, maybe 175, which is kind of gross when, when you're 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, um, yeah, definitely didn't throw anything like Chris Sale, but knew I needed to get stronger in the weight room, literally that was like my first full year of lifting, but I'd say, I'd say more as I, as I've grown, I'd say like sophomore year, I definitely like, it was still like going through the motions. I got myself to the gym, knew I needed to work out, but I don't think I ever really pushed myself in the gym. I don't know if I ever really pushed myself in the gym until like this year. Like, I mean, definitely when we worked out, we were like working out pretty well, but I think after, after like you joined CrossFit, I don't think like there's definitely a good solid year where I was like just going through the motions at the gym. Like mm -hmm. I knew exercises and that wasn't the issue. It was just never like, I could never, I never really locked in, I guess. I was always like going to the gym for social hour, but getting my work in still, like I'd still know when the, when the right time was to put in the effort, but never really saw the gains that I have been recently, I'd say. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you feel that's because you're like eating more now? Or do you feel like that's simply because like you found that internal motivation? Um, well, I did try to eat more at one point in my life, like sophomore, junior year, maybe, uh, like over the winter was tracking calories and stuff. And I literally gained negative weight. So, that didn't really like work and I counting calories sucks anyways. Sucks. You have to live by a number. Um, but I think that, I mean, definitely as of late, like I've literally was telling you today, yeah. like I'm the highest I've ever weighed in my life at 197. And I mean, yeah, I'm definitely like, I don't know, I, like three weeks ago, I was 188. So I don't know if that's a healthy 10 pounds, but I mean, you were also sick for a month. So I yeah, I definitely had the flu and sinus infection and COVID, which did not help at all. 
but like I don't know. I don't I mean I'd feel the strongest I've ever felt in my life. Like yeah. I'm that might be the help of creatine, but I've also been able to like lock in on my lifts and like push myself, be like, get this fucking weight off me. Like actually focus and be like, all right, this is gonna be heavy, but let's fucking do it anyways. And like definitely just push myself a lot harder. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping for a big year. Successful in the mound. But yeah, definitely hope hope so. How much do you think uh mental capability and mental strength comes into baseball, but especially pitching, being out there on the mound by yourself? Um a lot. <laughs> um I don't think I really realized that it was a lot until like I got to college baseball. Uh, um, nice. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Um, <laughs> but a lot you have to have. I'm. I was told at a young age, like literally, like thirteen, like you in between the lines, you got to have some swagger. Outside the outside the lines, you don't really have to. But in between them, you have to be confident, have some swagger. And I never really, like, realized that, I guess, until I was like, all right, damn. Like, I do have to pitch with my fucking nuts. Like, mm-hmm. I can't really, like, go out there and fucking tuck my tail. I'm going to get shelled. Even though if I know I have the stuff, like, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen it firsthand. Guy might have a disgusting curveball, but goes out there and continuously gets shelled. Like, you just can't do that. So, definitely, I mean, not, not like, cocky to the point where it's, like, obnoxious and you might even get in your own head at that point. Unless you can control that, which some people can. But mental game is definitely huge, especially in pitching. If you can't hold it together... Might as well just walk off the mound yourself. Yeah. I mean, for me, I found mental pitching to be even bigger than, like, mechanics. Obviously, mechanics is huge and strength. But, I mean, I think, like, if you can outthink a hitter or you can rationalize, like, okay, these kids are going to hit me, but, like, they're going to hit into ground balls or they're going to hit into outs or whatever. Yeah, definitely. And I think it carries over, too, to life. But Yeah, for sure, definitely. I do think I've seen that, especially like with you in the past couple years, like knowing that I throw harder, I'm like, oh, like I probably should be better than him, but I literally wasn't. <laughs> but that's just because you knew what you had to do. And I feel like, I don't know, I was kind of less experienced in that and just didn't really care about that, I guess, until last year maybe my junior probably my my junior i'd say yeah i mean the growth we've gone through is it's pretty crazy like mentally and physically like even like yesterday after like we got home from our our aunt's house like i was like damn he looks like thick like i don't think i've ever thought that before but i'm like yeah like damn he looks strong like like let, yeah that's just the truth it's just like hey th- like you can tell you're working hard and like hopefully it's like year five like let's see what we can do like 
yeah, definitely. I do feel like I've seen like a lot of progression in my body. Like my shoulders are definitely a lot wider than they used to be. I feel like personally, but we'll see. Should be exciting. All right, so we'll stay tuned for that. BSU Bears, Bridgewater State Bears. They start their season March. March 4th. 4th. 5th. In the Dirty Myrtle. Oh, yeah. I, we, we leave the 3rd. A nice long bus ride down to South Carolina. 3rd at 10 p.m. Going to be a sweet bus ride. All right, let's switch gears. What is the biggest issue with society? Probably like American <sighs> society. American society? Like, what do, you, what do you think is the biggest issue, and how do we resolve that? How um, do you think we resolve that? Um, the biggest issue. Or biggest. I think. Maybe not think, issues. I maybe think, just, like, biggest thing holding, like. It has to be, in the United States, it has to be mental health. It has to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the world. The world. The world's biggest issue is overpopulation which you claim comes from mental health issues, which we can argue, but that might be for another time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have another, we'll have another episode. We'll probably have another episode, but besides the point. How do, how do you think we, as a society, can get better at mental health? Um, focusing on our issues at hand and actually dealing with them, not turning to drugs, considering we're in a pandemic and the pandemic was not the leading cause of death in the United States this year. So it's pretty mm-hmm. loud. Like, do you think like therapy should be free to all Americans? Do you think it's just like a stigma and people should just be like, oh, Hey, I need someone to talk to when they talk to their best friend and make it like, do you think it's like uncomfortable conversations have to be had or. Yeah. I feel like that should be a thing worldwide as well. Um, that uncomfortable conversation should be had. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. The The biggest issue in my eyes is just like people not facing, and this is like maybe it's because they don't have someone to support them in whatever they do or they don't want to go to therapy because they think it makes them look weak. But people just turning to like drugs or alcohol or anything like that just to avoid everything they have Mm -hmm. is just, I mean, it's rude to say it's weak, but like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. It's so tough. It's like, obviously it's an issue because it's an issue. Like it's a problem because it's so hard, but like you're almost reverting to, Obviously, the drugs or the alcohol or even if it's, like, you're addicted to your phone, like, those are, like, just a way to not just distract yourself from your your issues. Yeah. And, like, obviously, facing your issues is shit. Like, I mean, we already talked about it, like, when you were at UNH. So, it's, like, it has to get to a point where it's a necessity. Like, I don't want to feel like this, and I think I can feel better almost. And some people might not think that, which is why it's also an issue, but... Mm -hmm. I do think that like it would be better for <laughs> like just speaking from like, I'm, not that I was ever like that and I never will be hopefully knock on wood, but I don't see myself not 
facing my issues ever in life mm-hmm. without turning to anything like that. Yeah. And I do think it's because maybe I have a good support system, which some people definitely don't have. And I'm grateful for that. But I can't speak for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of things we have that a lot of people don't. So, yeah, for it makes, sure. It makes, because I guess you can see where people go. Oh, cookies are ready. But I guess you can see where, like, people kind of wean, like, not wean off, but kind of like, go off track and fall back on these things that make them feel good almost like yeah. in the moment it, it's it, i guess it's more about like short-term gain yeah, over long-term sure. gain it's kind of like perspective the the what is it called the the in the instant gratification monkey you ever seen that it's a thing it is instant gratification i mean we live in a world where that's all it is is instant gratification. <laughs> yeah. Like on our phones. Yeah. Like you get a hit. You get a like on social media, instant gratification. You buy a whatever, instant gratification. Like, yeah. Definitely. Kiana told me today that her students at her high school spend an average of 12 hours a day on a phone. 12? Mm-hmm. Is that whack? I'm barely up for 12 hours a day. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they don't sleep. And sleep's a huge thing for health, but it's like they don't sleep. They're up at 4 a.m. on TikTok. 12 hours a day. Wait, someone actually the other day said that. I know who it was, too. I think it was 14 hours a day on their phone, maybe. And I think I don't want to I don't want to throw fake numbers out there, but I believe if I'm correct, it was eight hours on TikTok. Yeah. She was saying her students were. Six hours on TikTok. Six so hours. Like, that's that's a work shift. That's a work day. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many things we can be doing. Granted, you're in high school. Like, whatever. Like, I get it. You're not like fending for yourself, but it's like yeah, that right. habit of like, all right, let's just sit on our phones. Like, that's just... <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the future of society. That, that's what's scary. That's what's scary. <laughs> Is you like, almost dude, want the robots to take over? No, dude, go work at fucking shows and make. 120 bucks in that time and at least just learn how to socialize with like a person like you're just socializing with a phone i mean like you're socializing with other people i guess online yes and it's also scary because the metaverse is like just coming out now which is fucking wild i think i don't know how i feel about the metaverse i'm not like attuned to that but i i hate i just feel like it's like you're going to go online to maybe meet <laughs> to live a different life. That's literally so, all it is. Yeah. I don't know. You, you are a person in another world in virtual reality. Like sweet dude, go out and live your own. Yeah. The one that you have, the one that you can literally control and go function. Like why are you going to go to the metaverse to live? If you're going to the metaverse to go live a different life, why not do it in the life that you have right now? Well, it's another, yeah. It's another escape almost. Yeah, but another drug. Because it's, yeah, definitely. Because it's virtual reality. Just fucking use real reality. Yeah, but I think it's just so hard for people to overcome that hump. No, definitely. So, biggest problem mental health. Did did you say, how do you think we fix that? Um, Just those uncomfortable conversations? Yeah. I, and having someone, something to always like, 
have you back. I mean, I we were just talking about something, so probably not something, but someone to talk to, whether it's a therapist or literally your parents or significant other. There's someone to go to with every everything like that's just gonna listen and actually listen, give you feedback, not someone that's just there. It's okay to seek out a professional or someone that'll listen, a friend, like whoever you feel comfortable telling, but it's okay to share that. Definitely. Definitely. It's almost like, I guess it's not almost like bullying, but it's like, don't be a bystander of like someone bullying, like step in and say something. But it's also like someone comes to you and is sharing something personal, like at least just give them the courtesy to listen and give them like console them make them feel good for sure and definitely like even if i've had it happen recently where like people have come up that i wouldn't expect them to reach out and like did i'm not going to be the one to say no fuck off i don't care about your problems but like i'm happy that they had they felt comfortable enough with somebody to like express those issues I like I personally like love that because maybe they don't have anyone like in their life that they really feel comfortable talking about that like which sucks yeah I mean it takes it takes a lot of bravery to go out and ask someone or to tell someone how you feel and like and say you need help like Saying you need help is so hard to a lot of people because it makes them feel like they're like less than. Like they're weak. Yeah, they're weak or like they're less than the person they're saying to. It's like, no, but everybody feels that at some point. (laughs) Definitely. So, man, that was powerful. I don't know how you felt about that. That was pretty good. Definitely. All right. If anybody needs help, just reach out. Find someone for support. If you need a little inspiration, you can follow Matt Jocelyn on Instagram. What's your uh, Instagram at name for anybody who's curious? I literally think it's Matt Jocelyn. Oh, there you go. It's the cute guy probably with like the Bridgewater State. Private. Oh, he's private. I'll I'll be public. I'll I'll open it up to the public. He can be private. Request him. If you DM DM that you heard him on the podcast, he'll give you a, a nice winky face emoji or something. I could do that, I think. Yeah. It's in my funds. It's in the funds. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. We'll see you guys all next week for another episode of Spitball on the Call. Later.